about the dead, and the writing passes the time until I can join them. The time when Brother Dervel, a humble monk of Dinurak, will again be Lord Dervel Cadarn, champion of Dumnonia and beloved friend of Arthur, Golden Arthur, our last and best hope, our king who never was a king, the enemy of God and scourge of Saxons. A field after battle is a dreadful thing. We had won, but there was no elation in our souls, just weariness and relief. We shivered about our fires and tried not to think of the spirits that stalked the dark where the dead of Lugvale lay. Some of us slept, but none slept well, for the nightmares harried us. I woke, startled out of sleep by the memory of a spear thrust that had so nearly skewered my belly. Issa had saved me, pushing the enemy's spear away with his shield, but I was haunted by what had so nearly happened, and I could not sleep again. Shivering and weary, I stood and drew my cloak about me. The veil was lit by fires, and in the dark, between the flames, there drifted a miasma of smoke and river mist. You can't sleep, Dervel. A voice spoke softly from the doorway of the Roman building where the body of King Gorvathed of Powys lay. I turned. Arthur wore one of his long white cloaks, and in the fiery night the garment seemed to shine. There was no mud on it, nor blood, and I realized he must have kept it bundled safe for something clean to wear. I never sleep well after battle, he said, not for a week at least. He smiled at me. I am in your debt. No, Lord, I said, though in truth he was. Sagramore and I held Lug Vale all that long day, fighting in the shield wall against a vast horde of enemies, and Arthur had failed to rescue us. Of all Arthur's battles, Lug Vale was the nearest to defeat. Until the last battle... I will remember the debt, he said fondly, even if you do not. It is time to make you wealthy, Derville, you and your men. He smiled and took my elbow to lead me to where our voices would not disturb the restless sleep of the warriors who lay close to the fires. I suppose Gundleus is dead. I heard him screaming, Arthur said in a matter-of-fact voice. All Britain must have heard him screaming, I answered just as dryly. Nimue had taken the king of Siluria's dark soul, piece by piece, all the while crooning her revenge on the man who had raped her and taken one of her eyes. "'So Siluria needs a king,' Arthur said. His clean-shaven face was shadowed by the flames, giving him a gaunt look. He was not a handsome man, rather he had a singular face, long, bony, and strong— in repose it was rueful, suggesting sympathy and thoughtfulness, but in conversation it was animated by enthusiasm and a quick smile. He was still young then, just thirty years old, and his cropped hair was untouched by grey. We walked down the vale and into the dark. They were not all dead, those that lay in the mist, for some called piteously for help, but Arthur— Normally the kindest of men was deaf to the cries. He was thinking about Britain.
I'm going south tomorrow, he said, to see Tudric. King Tudric of Gwent was our ally, but he had refused to send his men to Lugvale, believing victory was impossible. The king was in our debt now, for we had won his war for him. I'll ask Tudric to send men east to face the Saxons, Arthur went on, but I'll send Sagramor as well. That should hold the frontier through the winter. Your men, he gave me a swift smile, deserve a rest. But I want them in Siluria. Oingus Macarum will want to plunder it, but he must be restrained. Oingus was the Irish king of Domitia, who had changed sides in battle to give Arthur victory, and the Irishman's price was a share of slaves and wealth from Gundleus's kingdom. He can take a hundred slaves, Arthur decreed, and one-third of Gundleus's treasury. He's agreed to that, but he'll still try to cheat us. I'll make sure he doesn't, Lord.